driving along here. A little synchronicity. I don't know if I call it a true a true blue synchronicity. What's a true synchronicity anyway? Ask your kids that. What's a true synchronicity? But you know, I was joking in yesterday's episode about kind of half joking about how you know we're not that far away from simply being uh, being neighborly, becoming a political debate. You know how it's not difficult to imagine in a few years that people will be like, as a conservative, I believe in being a good neighbor. And progressives being like, I believe in being a good neighbor, unless you got a Trumpsfeld sign. Toxic positivity. You know, it, it, we're not that far off from that. And it's actually kind of surprising something that practical isn't political. Because everything can become a political debate. Truly, everything can. We've, if, if we've learned anything, if there's anything to learn from the last few years, we've learned that anything can be spun into the political web, at which point the spider totally wraps it up, and we're, we're convinced that that's what politics are. Like, we think we know what politics are. Politics can be anything. But I was just joking about how, like, being a good neighbor could be an argument in the future. And sure enough, last night, I was reading about uh, this New York congressman from the 1930s to the 1950s, Vito Marcantonio. And the reason I was researching him is because uh, he was identified in a report as a possible mafia member. And the, the traditional mafia in Sicily inducted politicians, mayors, all kinds of people from professional and legitimate backgrounds. The mafia was very, very broad and diverse in, in the sort of resources it tried to cultivate. And uh, so this guy was identified as a mafia member. There's indications that the U.S. Mafia inducted a few politicians as well. I found evidence of a few guys, not a lot. But anyway, this guy, Vito Marcantonio, New York congressman, whether he was a formal Mafia member or not, he was definitely heavily associated with top Mafia figures. And I was reading about him in, in the, I think it was the early 1950s before he died, he had switched his political allegiance to what was called the, the Good Neighbor Party. He had started out with the Republican Party, but he was... Just to show you how far things have changed, too, Vito Marcantonio, he got involved in labor activism in his late teens. You can hear Batty, he wants to get out and walk. Uh, but Vito Marcantonio, he got involved in far-left labor activism when he was in his teens. And then he initially joined the Republican Party, which is really interesting. It shows you how much things change. Where a far-left activist, like... Mark Antonio was being observed by the FBI for being a, an extreme leftist and a communist. He was openly socialist, but he was part of the Republican Party, which you would never see today. We think of that as the antithesis of the Republican Party. He switches allegiance to the American Labor Party after the Republicans... But before his death, he joined a political party called the Good Neighbor Party. And I just laughed because I was like, I was literally just talking about this. I, I was literally just talking about the idea of like being neighborly, becoming like a hot political issue. And so seeing that Vito Marcantonio's party, you know, I didn't look into what they 
talked about, but the fact that they would just try to represent themselves that way at all, whether they actually talked about being a good neighbor, you can see where like you could use that to, to jockey for influence to be like, oh, well, vote for us because, you know, we believe in being a good neighbor. And, you know, me joking about that last night, so the, not the first time I've talked about it on here. I've talked about it over the last couple years, how my neighbors up until about a year and a half ago were radical leftists. They had this placard on their door. There was, I think, it wouldn't surprise me if the HOA made them take it down. Oh, Batty, come on. Um, wouldn't surprise me if the HOA made them take it down. Amazingly, it wasn't the uh, it wasn't the no human is illegal placard. It was this other one that was actually worse. It was it said like it was like this list of like things you should do, and it was like writing, talking, fucking. Like it actually said fucking. So it was like this sex positivity thing. It was like it was like saying like we're into writing, reading, fucking. I don't, I'll have to look that up because I'd like to actually remember what it said. But it was like basically like this list of activities like you should do. And I guess they put it on their door, on their front door, to kind of indicate like what they were all about. It was really weird. And uh I'm guessing the HOA made him take it down because it said it dropped an F-bomb. But I got to know those people, and especially during lockdown. You know, I, they were like some of the only people I would chat with for a little while there. Really nice, like great neighbors. I liked having them as neighbors. I really enjoyed having them. But, you know, one of them, uh, at least two of them were into the gender bender stuff. Like one of them was born a woman, had had her breasts removed, you know, it was just, just, you could just tell just looking at the person, you know, what they were all about. And then their significant other who lived there was, you know, appeared to be like kind of a tomboy woman. And she was the one I talked to the most. I really got along with her well. And I, I didn't know this. I mean, I, I was talking to her for years. And she had kind of an androgynous name. I think it was Bobby. I've known a lot of women named Bobbies. I've known a lot of Bobbies. So I never thought anything of it. Like, I knew that's what they were all about. I knew, like, where their politics were and that they were, they were at the extreme end of the far left. But, like, I talked to Bobby for, like, practically every other day for two years. And then when they moved out, like, we talked and she gave me a gift. She gave me a, uh, like a screen print she had made on a piece of paper. And she, uh, but I came to find out that like she went by he. And like with the other one, it was pretty obvious. Like with, with the significant other, it was, it was very obvious that they identified differently. But this one, it was like, went by he but didn't do it like didn't dress like a man didn't act like a man just clearly caught up in that whole world that whole way of thinking and i had this really weird moment one time where i was stoned watching uh 
the evergreen documentary that uh, you know was made about Brett Weinstein and everything, and it was just showing all all sorts of footage of what was going on on campus. And I'm actually at Evergreen right now, and uh, <laughs> I'm actually there right now with Batty. But uh, it, it was just showing like everything that was going down, and like they showed like some of the other some of the stuff that a lot of people probably haven't seen. Like people have seen the more aggressive stuff where the students were mobbed up and confronting Brett. But there was a part where they were like showing this, I don't even know what it was. It was like this big group of students standing in front of a lecture hall and they had all the teachers in the audience, like a reversal of roles. Like the kids are lecturing the, the adults. The kids took over the school. And, and like, they were like airing their grievances. And then it flashed to this one girl addressing the faculty, and she was, like, just crying. And I, I suddenly recognized the voice. And then I looked a little closer, and I was like, holy shit, that's my neighbor. And this is while they still live next to me. And she, she was crying, and she was like, you guys just don't listen. Like, we, we're trying to tell you how we feel, and you guys just don't listen. And I, it, was so, it was such a weird moment for me, because... I was just like, what are you trying to tell the faculty? You know, I was like, like, what is it you're trying to tell the faculty? Like, because my experience was, uh, you know, if, if you're going through like personal problems, like a, a school like Evergreen, the, the professors are very receptive. Like if there's something going on that's, you know, causing you personal grief, you know, Batty, stay with me, buddy. Stay with me, buddy. Um, but no, you know, if you're going through a personal problem, like, I never knew the faculty to be unreceptive. You know, obviously personalities differ. So I don't know what her grievance was. But it was, it was this weird moment where I was stoned and I was like, I'm literally watching a video of my next door neighbor who I like on a neighborly level. I, I really liked her. Whatever she calls herself, you know, it, it, I really liked her. And, uh, come on, Betty. I gotta be really careful what I fucking say here. I shouldn't have to be, but, like, like, sure enough, like, the very first person I see who Batty was just barking at was just, like, this really over-the-top trans dude. But that's the thing here. Being at Evergreen, you know, I went here starting in 2004 and you did, you did not see that a lot of gay men a lot of gay women but you didn't see that at all now you just come to the campus and that's the first thing you see like this dude i just walked by green hair tall and thin very male and that's just what you see it's just normal now but anyway, uh, I was sitting there like like my neighbor who I really liked, and like I'm like, it was this weird. I felt I felt I felt like I was doing something wrong in a way. I was like, I shouldn't be seeing this. I shouldn't be seeing this video on you on a YouTube documentary of my next door neighbor crying about how the faculty like doesn't acknowledge the students' emotions or whatever it was. And I was like, they're like right next to me, and being stoned, I was just like, fuck. But I was like, they're literally like 15 feet away from me right now. And I'm watching them cry on video. 
but you know that said it's like if it, if it aside from all that stuff like if you were just judging somebody as a neighbor couldn't ask for a better one if they knew my views on things not even my more questionable views because I, I have some I have some views that I'm willing to acknowledge could be considered controversial but it's like even my non-controversial views I'm like if they knew those views they'd hate me there's a good chance they hate me. I know their views because they broadcast them. But I don't hate them for that because they're a good neighbor. So, like, being a good neighbor should be the most political issue of all. Because if you can be a good neighbor, I mean, that's the... I mean, you look at what a community is. You know, that word's been so abused. It's been stretched out. The elasticity of the word community has been stretched out beyond belief. It's meaningless and it's empty. The fact that they call the CIA and FBI the intelligence community. I'm sure they're a community. I'm sure they're a depraved fucking Washington, D.C. community. That's not what a community is to me. But, you know, you look at what a community is and it's like, well, first is the family. Your family and friends. But maybe even before friends, your neighbors. Like, what is the smallest version of a community you can imagine? Well, you and your immediate neighbors. And because social politics and just politics in general are in theory focused on the community, they are com they're issues that are relevant to the well-being of the community. Well, it seems like being a neighbor is at the core of that. Being a good neighbor makes for a better community. It makes for a better immediate community. And if everybody's a good neighbor, well, not just your immediate, your immediate community, your neighborhood, but it's like the entire town is great. But it's just funny to me that, like, me and my next-door neighbors get along very well you know, not personal, there's not a personal connection, but just, you know, just in terms of saying hello, looking out for each other, at one point they asked, like, I have this big bush, I got a big bush, bushel, got a big bushel, I have this huge bush that I hide my trash cans behind, because they'll fine you if you have them visible, and at one point they, they asked me, they were like, hey, you know, we noticed that you keep your trash cans behind that big bushel. Behind the big bush. You notice you keep your trash cans behind the big bush. Big bush. And they were like, would it be cool if we put our trash cans beside there too? And I was like, please. I was happy to do that. It made me really happy, actually. And that kind of plays into something uh, Jordan Peterson has said that I never thought about before, but I've learned that it's very true, which is people don't necessarily want you to do favors for them. They do, of course. They ask you for things. But a lot of people get a, a strong sense of meaning from someone else that they, they care about asking them for a favor. Like, when someone asks you for a favor and it's within your ability to grant it, you feel really good about that. Like, hey, can you help me with this? Like, when someone needs your help and you can help them, even in a minor way, it makes you feel great. 
more than if they gave you something. They're asking you for something. Obviously, there's there's a million ways, a million things that people ask you for, where you're like, oh fuck this person, this, they just want something from me. But when someone needs something really simple and useful from you, and you can help them with that, you want to do it, and you feel good helping them. So it's a silly thing, and I, like I'm not saying that I'm Mama Teresa. You know, I'm not saying I'm Mommy Teresa because I let my neighbors put their garbage cans on my property behind my bush. But it made me feel good. I was like, that's a that's a good thing. Like, that means that they're going to be that much more... You know, it's self-serving in a way because I'm like, they're going to be that much more neighborly toward me. And, uh, you know, but... But, that, you know, that's community. And it's like your actual opinions on these emerging issues, you know, like race and gender and whatever else, whatever way that you want to twist those things, that really doesn't matter if you, if you get along with somebody as your neighbor, if you're not looking to interfere in your neighbor's life in a negative way. So... It's, it's kind of surprising that's not more of a focus, you know, these days, like, be neighborly, no matter what. No matter what, look out for your neighbors, even if you don't talk to them. You know, because I don't want to be in my neighbor's lives. I don't want to go over to their houses. Because there was one time with those neighbors where they were like, it was like when my mom died, I went over and told them. I was like, oh, just so you know, my mom died because they knew her. And they were like, one, one of them, the one that I got along with was like, oh, we'll have to have you come over. Come over for, for a bowl of pasta. I think she actually did say pasta, which is funny. When your mom dies, we'll cook you pasta. That's really nice. Not making fun of it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, it was funny though, because like when she said that, I was like, I'm never going to do that. Like in my mind, I'm like, I'm never going to go over there for pasta. The other one, though, the one who was a little more, the one who had the surgery and everything, I actually saw her noticeably shudder. Because she was really standoffish and and closed off. Like, I, like, that's the one, like, where I would say hi, and she would say nothing back. Like, I would pull into the driveway, be like, oh, hey there, and there would just be silence, which is really common with certain types of people. So that one was very standoffish. I'm not going to assume it was based on anything in particular, although it could have been. But it's like when that one was like, oh, you have to come over for some pasta. I was just like, eh. You know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, sure. Meanwhile, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But it's a nice gesture. It's like those are the sorts of things you do. Like, you know, you don't want your neighbor in your business. But you want to have an amicable relationship. I mean, this is obvious. This is water is wet stuff. But, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if, like, in five years, it's a debate. But the thing is, you know, despite how it might seem if you listen to me, I don't want to be surrounded by people who agree with me. I don't want all my neighbors to agree with me on everything. I don't, I don't want anything from them. I don't care, actually. That's, I think that's where it comes from. It's like truly not caring what they think. Oh, there's a baby deer. See, I care what this baby deer thinks. And every time I see deer, 
I'm amused because Batty is a deer-headed chihuahua. His breed is deer-head because he looks like a little deer. And I noticed that the first time I ever babysat him before he lived with me, Batty was staying with me, and I'd never spent that much time with him. Like, I'd, I'd walked him and, you know, hung out with him a lot, but I'd never had Batty around me 24-7 until I babysat him. Oh, it's so cute. That deer's... Maybe deer's got a huge tail. The do, what's that called? A, a doe is a, the woman. I don't know what a baby deer is called. Just a baby deer. A fawn. It's called a fawn. The fawn's tail is about the same size as its mother's tail, but its body isn't grown yet. So it's got this huge bushy tail on the back. But anyway, when Batty was staying with me that first time, I noticed like everywhere I went in the house, I'd turn and he'd be staring at me. And it reminded me a lot of running into deer in the woods because I don't know how they do it. But if you see a deer in the woods, they'll like freeze some distance from you and just watch you. And no matter where you go, their head is pointed directly at you. Like somehow, like they, without, you, you don't even see them turning their head. You just look and like, it's watching you. Its head is directly focused on you. And I noticed Batty was the same thing. And not just that he was watching me like a deer. He was also, he also looks like a deer. I was like, holy shit, yeah, deer are dogs. I never made that connection. Like, I think of deer being more like horses or something. Because they have, you know, they're built like that. But it was just kind of epiphany where I was like, holy shit, deer are dogs. I even saw, I think it's in the movie Platoon or something, where they show some weird little squat deer. It's like this little, like, pudgy short deer that lives in the jungles of Vietnam. And that looks like a dog. So deer, they're like, they're like uh, if you combine like a small dog with a horse, you get a deer. But yeah, I just, I, I'd never heard, I didn't know what Batty's breed was. I didn't know anything about chihuahuas. And I was like, he looks like a little deer. And I told my friend, you know, his owner at the time. And uh, she was like, oh, what's his breed? His breed is called a deer head. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. I would have come up with that myself if it didn't have a name. Turns out somebody else already noticed it. But, uh, yeah, just seeing the deer, it's always a, you know, they're all around here, you know, it's not, it's not uncommon. Like, if you go out in my area, there's a good chance you see a deer, you know, multiple times a week. All the time. It's deer country. But it, it always feels like an honor. And that tells you something... Yeah, that tells you something cool is going on with the animal. Like, if an animal is totally common in your area, but every time you see one, it feels like an event, that means that that's, an, that's a special animal. And people feel that way around here. Even though people are very used to seeing deer in Washington State, it's still like seeing a celebrity. It's almost like if you live in the same town as a, a celebrity and you happen to see them sometimes, every time it's like, oh wow, it's them. Just a little deer talk there. What we call doing a little deer talk. Deer are amazing. But uh, anyway, I'm just, I like Evergreen in the summer. I think the best time to go to Evergreen State College. And just so you know what they have here, uh, 
I'm at the front of the library here, and they've got a, a, san a giant sandwich sign that says Black Lives Matter with a big black fist. They're right at the entrance to the library. Doesn't say anything else, just that's it. Something funny years ago, though, I used to come here to run, and around like 2016, 2017, I was on a run here, and I, I ran up to the top of the clock tower, which overlooks the, the main campus, and in, in giant chalk letters covering the entire plaza, you know, somebody had written uh, Black Lives Matter. And then I went there a week later, a few days later to run, did the same thing, ran up to the top of the clock tower, and, and somebody had like added in black trans lives matter. Like they added in trans into that. I went back again and somebody had erased the trans. So it was like this little, what, uh, what Kurt Metzger calls an intersectional car crash. It was like, you could see this, this like chalk debate taking place over how specific to get the ultra specificity where it's like do we get even more specific do we zero in even further on one little detail because you think just saying black lives matter in chalk includes everybody of that race right but somebody saw that and they were like let's get more specific Let's get more specific. I need to look up that placard. I forgot about it. But that placard that said, uh, my neighbor's placard, which is just like this list of activities they're into. Just like letting their neighbors know what they like to do, which was writing, fucking, talking. And it was funny to me that, like, it didn't say having sex. It just said fucking. Because I've talked about this before with, like, there's something about progressives where they... They don't know how to say the word fuck. Like, they say it all the time, but they overemphasize it. Like, they put the wrong emphasis on it. Like, if you've worked in a warehouse with just, like, blue-collar dudes, they swear all the time. But, it, but it's very casual and, and natural. Like, blue-collar dudes, or most people who swear, will just be like... Yeah, dude, I, I had to go to the fucking mechanic the other day and he told me it was going to be a fucking thousand dollars. Whereas, like, if you talk to progressives, they're like, put on a fucking mask. Dude, fuck Donald Trump fell. You know, it's, it's just overemphasized. It's like this performative cussing. What we call doing a little performative cussing. And it seems to be, like, communicating that they're... One, rebellious enough. I mean, even though every fucking person swears, there's me saying it. it it's, it's, it's almost like trying to communicate, I'm willing to swear. But it, it, what it's supposed to do is, I think, communicate passion. And the logical conclusion of all that was there was some university or college, I think it was maybe in New York or e the East Coast. But at their bus stations, at the college bus stations, they put up these giant signs that said... Get the fucking vaccine in all caps. They just don't know how to swear. Like, I try to swear less because I used to do so much of it. I've tried to cut down on it. But it's like we all swear, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. 
It's just like some people do it more naturally. And uh, yeah, one thing I've noticed with progressives is, is it's like they don't know how to do it. Like they, it, it's always in bold. It's always like, even if they're saying it out loud, it's in all caps. But uh, the, my neighbors having that on their door, like in this house, we're into writing, fucking. And what's funny about that too is like I never heard a single sex sound coming from that house. I never heard sex coming from that house. You don't hear much sex coming from houses in general. I've talked about that before where despite like how horny people apparently are, like I, I, I first thought about that because like I would walk home from bars really late every, you know, all the time when I drank and especially in like a hot summer night or just a summer night, you know, I'd, I'd walk through these endless residential neighborhoods to get home. Everyone had their windows open and I just never heard anything. Like I lived in an apartment and like the people who lived above my girlfriend and I were just this kind of sexless couple. They just seemed really quiet and depressed and sexless. I think they were Asian. And like there was one time though, like we never heard anything. And then there was one time where we just, we heard this creak. We heard the, the, you know, we heard the, the sound of like rhythmic creaking. It was obviously like a squeaky couch, which is so erotic. Nothing more erotic than a squeaky couch that needs WD-40. We were like, holy shit. It wasn't like that loud or anything, but we could tell what was going on. We're like, wow, that weird sexless couple who lives above us is having sex. And we're listening to it. Couldn't hear the people. I think we could kind of hear her making like some sounds. Neither of us were into it. And my girlfriend at the time who I lived with, she was, she was like ultra sex positive, ultra liberal in every respect. But she, she, she hundred percent, like just automatically, like, I don't think this, this was something she ever thought about doing before, but she just automatically grabbed a broom and literally started like hitting the, the ceiling with the, the broom handle, like an old lady. It's like, like she was, she suddenly turned into like an old lady in a tenement building and was just like hitting the, the ceiling with the broom handle. And I was like, don't do that. Like I was laughing, but I was like, don't do that. <laughs> Cause like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear people having sex. I'm not into that. But it was just so funny that like my girlfriend, who's, who's all about like everybody being sexually liberated and free, she heard this, this weird couple having sex on their squeaky couch and she just started hitting the ceiling. But even then, like living in that apartment building, it's like, that was the only time we heard them. Like we never heard anybody doing anything. There was uh, like another girlfriend of mine like lived in an apartment. It was all like young, progressive types. They all kind of congregated in this building. And this like lesbian couple, they, they didn't even seem like lesbians really. They seemed like, I don't know. It, se it seemed kind of like a, a LARP of some kind. They were very young though, you know, they were just figuring things out. But they moved in and their window, it was like two buildings right next to each other. And their window was like right across from my girlfriend's window. 
and they were like like doing this very exhibitionist like strap on stuff not in view but with their window open they were like literally screaming and the one girl and these were like little they looked like tattoo but not i don't know i don't, I don't find tattoo hot but they look kind of like that kind of they were like very small you know little women little small women and they were doing this strap-on stuff with each other and they would yell out the window they would scream like the girl would scream like fuck me daddy and she kept calling this other girl daddy and i remember like saying to my girlfriend i was like they're not even having sex like that's not sex that's they're making some kind of statement they want everybody to know It's almost like if two people went in a room and they wanted to convince you they were having a fight, but they just stood next to the door and they were like, oof, oh, ah. You know, if they just made the noises like they were getting hit just to make you think, that's what it was like. Like, I'm sure they were doing something, but it didn't seem genuine. It just seemed like they just wanted all of their neighbors to know, like, we're lesbians having strap-on sex. Fuck me, daddy. And I could tell, like, my girlfriend, like, she was in a weird place because she bordered on asexual. And after we broke up, she made some kind of statement like that on social media where she was like, I think I'm asexual. She's not. She's not asexual. Just had a really low libido, which I was cool with. I'm cool with that. But she, uh... I could tell she was kind of uncomfortable with, like, those overt displays of sexuality. But, like, her social circle was, like, just filled with, with young women who were just, like, out there about it. Like, I remember going for lunch with, like, some random friend of hers. And she'll just be like, oh, so lately I've been fucking Bryce. Me and Bryce had sex on the kitchen floor. And, and you know, his, room, his roommates could have walked in at any time. You know, stories like that, like very performative, it felt like. And I could tell my girlfriend was, wasn't into that. But she was between a rock and a hard place because she was surrounded by this social circle where that shit was talked about all the time, where that shit was in your face. But she herself was not very libidinal, libidinous. And like another, like her roommate at a previous place, like was a young woman who was very nice and stuff and like I remember like she was like her roommate was dating this guy who would come over and, and screw her and she would like scream out and you could, you're just sitting there in the living room hearing this it's life you know it's like I, I mean I'm not going to demonize somebody for doing what they want in their own bedroom but it was just I've never liked that kind of thing I've never liked hearing anybody in their intimate moments you know, through a wall or anything like that. I know some people like that. A lot of people like that, I guess. But, you know, I could tell she was uncomfortable. But, like, when these when these girls across in the other apartment building were, like, screaming stuff, and it seemed just totally fake. I remember, like, I even said that. And she thought I was being hateful or something. But it's like, no, you. I'm not criticizing this in the way you think I am. I'm criticizing it because, like, we're obviously hearing a performance. We're not hearing two people intimately engaged with each other. We're hearing two people who want to make a statement. And that's what bothered me about it.
<laughs> and then, you know, like talking about like walking home from bars or just walking around my old neighborhood. Like despite living in this like residential neighborhood with tons of people of all ages and coming home late at night after the bars and doing this, I would go for all these night walks and just never hearing anything. The only time I ever heard something was I was on mushrooms. So this was a long time ago, but probably a decade ago, 2011 or something. And I was on mushrooms just walking around on a nice night. And then I walked by this house where two like fat middle-aged lesbians lived. And one of them had a red, like a brand new red SUV. I would walk by this house every day. I had to go buy it. And like, like one of them drove a big red new SUV and the license plate said, wifeys. Which kind of makes me think of like the, the, the daddy thing that those other girls were screaming. Wifey, daddy. Is that something lesbians are into? Like, are they are they really into like these roles, wifey and daddy? Because literally, this person's license plate said "wifeys," and it was two like heavy middle-aged lesbians, and they I don't know. I walk by that house all the time, but there was one night. And of course I was on mushrooms, so it was extra weird, but there was one night I was, I was just happened to be, I was like a, few, a couple blocks away from that house and I heard these loud sexual moans coming and I was just like, whoa, am I hearing what I think I'm hearing? Because I had already, it had already, already crossed my mind that I was like, yeah, it's weird that in all my life of like wandering around and stuff, like how little I've actually heard sex sounds. So being on mushrooms, I'm like, oh shit, like I'm hearing it. And, uh, so I can get the daddy ready here. And then as I got closer, like they got louder, but it didn't sound like active. It didn't sound like somebody like really getting down. Good boy. Um, it didn't sound like, like a man and like a man was doing something to a woman or something. You know what I mean? And then I got closer and it was all, it was coming from like the bedroom window of that house, the wifey house, what we call the wifey house. Hey, it's a wifey house. Wifey lives there, daddy and wifey. Wi-Fi. And uh, you know, I could tell, like, like as I was walking by the house, I was like, oh, one of them is going down on the other one. One of them is going down on the other and is moaning. Nothing else to think of. I didn't. I didn't hang around. Didn't hang around. It's kind of funny though. Like, despite like having heard very few sexual sounds in the wild, it's kind of funny that like it's it's all lesbians. I only hear lesbians making loud sounds. I don't think those girl, the girls who lived uh, in the building next to my girlfriends, I don't think they were actually real lesbians. Wifey. The wifey house, like they were, they were true blue lesbians. They seem really likable. Like I, I got no qualms with them. Like they had all this sport, like whatever, like what I liked about wifey's house, cause like I said, I would have to walk by it just about every day is their front porch was always decorated with 
like whatever like Seattle sports team was active, like whatever sport was in season, they would have tons of Seahawks stuff. Then they would have like Seattle Sounders stuff. They would have Mariners stuff. Like they loved sports, but they would also do it for holidays. Like if it was Halloween, they they went, you know, they had a bunch of Halloween decorations. But even like the Fourth of July, it didn't seem to matter what holiday. Like it didn't seem to matter what sport or what holiday. They decorated the front of their house with a bunch of stuff. Like of course, when it was Pride, when it was Gay Pride Month, they had a bunch of rainbow stuff, being lesbians and all. But I liked their vibe actually. I mean, I, I would have rather not heard them moaning very loudly when I was on mushrooms. It didn't trip me out. I was just like, I was very detached. I was just like, I'm hearing that. I am hearing loud moans. I'm hearing loud moans. I'm hearing loud moans. Hearing loud moans. I'm hearing loud moans. Down to my bones. <laughs> Yeah, I had to get a song in today. It's Labor Day. If you're not singing on Labor Day, what are you doing? When my neighbors had that thing that was like, in this house, we're into writing, talking, fucking. I should have made my own. In this house, we're into singing. In this house, we're into hearing lesbians moan when we're on mushrooms. You can imagine like somebody could have a psychotic break hearing that. Not me, fortunately. If I've had a psychotic break, that wasn't what caused it. Just like being on a psychedelic drug and like hearing something like that and just being like, wow, life, life. Like you hear that story about Mark David Chapman, the guy who killed Jean Lemon, Jean Lelon. Yeah, Mark David Chapman, he killed he killed this singer. The guy's name was Jean Lennon. Jean Lennon. Jean Lennon. Stupid. But Mark David Chapman, like, I don't know if he traced this himself, like, to, like, his, his uh, deterioration. I don't know how self-aware he was. I've never, you know, I've never, I'm not a Beatles guy, so I'm not a, I think you have to be a Beatles fan to, be, to know about Mark David Chapman. I think you have to be a Beatles fan to have, even care about him. But everybody knows who he is. But I did hear, I heard a story like where he was, as a teenager, like he was visiting family or something in another town or at like the boardwalk somewhere. And he met these other teenagers and he was hanging out with them and he took LSD. And when he was on LSD tripping, these other teenagers who were rough kids, like stole his wallet and everything. And it caused him to have a total breakdown. And I was like, that makes complete sense. That makes complete sense that if you're, you know, obviously he had something unstable about him to begin with, but it makes complete sense that if you're this teenager and you're like visiting family in another city, you meet some fellow teens to hang out with and you take a bunch of LSD and while you're tripping, they rob you. Like, that's a villain story. You know, that, that's, that's a, like, a villain origin story. Like, comic books, there's, there's always, like, an origin story for the villains. Like, the moment when he, when he turned bad. They created a villain. You know, so, I mean, like, that, that's crazy. That's why we gotta be careful. You know, that's why we gotta be careful 
<laughs> about drugs and uh, you know, I mean, it's one of the reasons why uh, I always say like drugs bond to their host. Like some drugs overtake people. Like I think like coke, meth, heroin. Like I think people bond to those, but other substances are more so like like people bond. Like, like a drug bonds to them. Like I've said this a lot about weed. I think weed's the best example where the drug bonds to you. Whatever type of person you are, weed bonds to that and brings out more of that. If you're lazy, well, weed's going to make you even lazier. If you're into fitness, well, weed's a nice compliment to, to a, a fit lifestyle. I'm just going to pause this for a brief second. For somebody else... Taking LSD and getting your wallet stolen by mean teenagers. You'd have a bad trip and it would suck, but you'd probably be fine. Well, Mark David Chapman, that probably set him on the path to kill John Lennon. Those kids who stole his wallet killed John Lennon. We're all into blaming indirect participants in things. You know, the way we think these days is like, Everything is caused by some indirect roundabout influence. Well, I think we can say that whoever those kids were who stole Mark David Chapman's wallet when he was on LSD, they're, uh, they killed John Lennon. They killed John Lennon. And, uh, you know, he's got his, uh, his wifey. You know, I heard that John Lennon and Yoko, they bought a big SUV before they died. And the license plate said wifey. It said wifey. I heard when John Lennon and Yoko had their naked sit-in. They suck. You know, I don't know, I don't have a problem with the Beatles. But you know, like the naked sit-in, that sucks. That might as well be them like having strap-on sex, which they probably did. Screaming like fuck me, daddy. Like, John Lennon and Yoko Ono might as well have had strap-on sex in an apartment building while screaming, fuck me, daddy. Who knew I was going to get there? But that's my theory. They seem like the type of people who would do that. But yeah, too bad those teenagers got them killed. Be careful who you steal from when they're on LSD. Be careful who you fuck with when they're on drugs. I mean, I have a lot of guilt. I have a lot of guilt for that reason. Because I stole a kid's wallet when he was on LSD. No, I actually, like years ago, like, I don't know, like 2005 or six. Miles took mushrooms. He took like an eighth of mushrooms. Sorry, Miles, if I'm, if I'm uh, outing you or something. But he took a bunch of mushrooms and I was just hanging out smoking weed. And I was like looking at the internet because I mean, I was kind of bored. Like I was just sitting there high and like my friend is like starting to come up and trip and he was like, he was tripping out. He started tripping out from just the, the opening minutes. It felt like not in a crazy way, but I could just tell his eyes were like really fucking big. And it was one of those depressing days. Like he lived in this very dark little house and like, maybe this is me, but like there's something about like, cold sunlight filtering into a dark house that really depresses me and that's what was happening this day like cold sunlight was just like filtering in through the windows and you could see the dust 
And I remember just like looking over at Miles and his eyes were really big. And he was just, he was looking at things or whatever. And then I started like reading to him what I was looking at on the internet, which fuck me for that. Like he should have killed me. He should have just killed me. Because that could ruin someone's brain. Like I was looking at message boards and shit and I was like, oh, look at what this guy said. And I knew I was fucking with him. Like I was kind of, and he told people this for years. Like he told other friends of ours, like what a psycho I am because, uh, because of how I acted when he was on shrooms. Because like, like when I was reading stuff to him on the internet, it was like, I was kind of like putting him to the test. Like, because that shit is so incomprehensible. Like there was a time where, I mean, I've never got, I've never been on mushrooms and looked at the internet. I have, but I've never like just sat there tripping, looking at the internet. There was one time though that I was in high school and I was on an eighth of mushrooms. So I was really tripping. I got home. My mom was at work or something and I like, got online and I just kind of like looked at the internet for a second. I listened to, of all fucking things, is that band called Spastic Inc? Let me look this up. Let me use a lifeline. Let me, let me use a lifeline. Let me use a lifeline. Um, Spastic Inc. Yeah, it was like that progressive metal band. I never listened to them. I, I got online and I somehow, like, I don't know how, I think I was just trying to find anything. And I started listening to Spastic Inc. on Mushrooms. And then I was like, oh, I can look at porn. Because I was feeling very normal. I was tripping, but like I was feeling very in control and normal, you know, out of my mind, but I was feeling grounded, I guess. Not normal, but grounded. And I got online, and I started listening to fucking Spastic Inc. And I didn't even like it or anything. I mean, I don't even know what my opinion is on them. But I was listening to them, and then I was like, I can look at porn. I can look at porn. And back then, like, you couldn't go to websites, like, this is, like, 2003 or 2004, like, you couldn't go to websites where there's just, like, tons of long videos, at least that I knew of. Like, like all the porn I looked at in high school, it was, like, 20 to 30 second clips. Like, you go to these websites, and then it would, like, link to this set of videos, and there'd be, like, four videos that were, like, 30 second excerpts from a long porn video. And they'd capture like each pose or something. Like one of the 30 second clips was like a blowjob. A blowjob. A blowjob. And like one of them was like this position. One of the, there was always a doggy style one because people like that. People like the doggy style. There was always like a doggy style one. And then there was always like a finish. So you'd have like four videos, excerpts, 30 seconds long. You got the blowjob. You got the missionary. You got the doggy style. And then you got the finish. But I was looking at like this site that just had like tons of really short videos on it and they were all kinds. And I just like in this moment of inspiration, I was like, I'm on mushrooms. I can look at porn. Like it seemed really attractive to me for a split second. And then I was just like looking at the video stills for like a minute. And then I saw one and I, I, I don't want to explain what it was because it's something that I, I've always been completely repulsed by the internal stuff. Like when, when it's like the idea of like an orifice turned inside out, like that, that shit, that stuff that looks like, like something's prolapsed, like people are into that. And I, and I was just like, it was so fucking alien to me. It was really organic. 
like seeing this this like this screenshot of like something internal it was like another woman like holding a woman's orifice like wide open and i just i don't i think you're fucking weird i know a lot of normal people are into that but i think you're fucking weird if you're into like gaping and all that stuff it's so detached from like the human part of it but I was on mushrooms like looking at that and then like I, I was initially like feeling a little lecherous where I was like I'm tripping but I'm kind of horny I'm tripping but I'm horny and that just like it didn't repulse me I felt like I was an alien seeing something for the very first time and I just closed it out that's the only time that I remember like getting online when I was on drugs if Mark David Chapman had done that who knows what would happen if Mark David Chapman had gone to a porn site on mushrooms and seen gaping, he might have killed Paul McCartney too. He might have killed the whole Beatles. He might have killed all the Beatles. It's a good thing he didn't see that. You know, just while I'm talking about all this dirty shit, a few weeks ago, I'm hesitant to talk about this, but I was on a conference call, and one of my friends was on it. Uh, I, I, he's, he's a good friend of mine and I really like him. I'm not going to name him. But there was like four of us on the call and he, he had to go do something else and he, he muted his phone. But there was some sort of issue where like the rest of us were talking and suddenly you could kind of hear his voice. Not like he was in the background, but it was like something went wrong with his phone where it was muted, but his voice was still cutting through a little bit. Like maybe he was on the other line because he was talking to somebody. And I could hear kind of a girl's voice, too. And he doesn't have a girlfriend or a wife. It sounded to me like my initial thought was, oh, he's talking to a woman on the phone on another line. But because he's still on the conference call with us, it's somehow bleeding through. You know, you hear about things like that happening. And I, I didn't want to hear it. Like, if there's one thing I really don't like is I don't like seeing other people's private communication. I don't like seeing people's private interactions. I don't like overhearing them. Some people like that. Like some people like to, to eavesdrop and stuff. I really don't. I really don't like to hear that. And so I, I, was, I was really like disturbed. I was like, fuck, like, I hope he, I hope he uh, doesn't say anything or do anything crazy because like he's talking to somebody on another line and like it's cutting in. Like we couldn't hear what he was saying. And then, like, a minute later, though, his voice, like, cuts through even more clearly. And he says, he's, like, he's, he's talking, like, very slowly. And he says, gaping ass, comma. And we all just, like, went silent. And we're like, fuck. Like, I immediately sent him a message. And I said, like, we can hear you, bro. I didn't want to embarrass him. Like, I, I, I wanted the opposite. I, I, I didn't want him to be embarrassed. Because... We don't want to hear this. And like, I just want to let him know, like, whatever it is you're doing, we can hear you. And I don't know what he was, I don't, it, it confounded me. It was confounding. <laughs> Gaping ass comma confound, was confounding because like, I couldn't tell, like, I was like, is he, is he like doing like voice to text where he's looking up porn? But then the comma kind of threw me off. Because, like, when you think about, like, putting a comma in, 
it, it sounded like he was almost instructing someone to do something. But it's, but like it, it almost sounded like he was like like writing tags. Like you know how like if you uh, if you make like a blog post or anything like that or like a YouTube video, it's it's on SoundCloud as well. Like you put in tags, like genre tags, category tags, and you type them in and you separate them by a comma. And porn sites have that. Or whatever keywords they want to associate with a video. Like, I imagine you type them in and you separate them by comma. So it was almost like he was like uploading porn content or something. Because at first I was like, oh shit, he's looking up porn and he's doing voice to text. But then when he said comma, I was like, that's not something that you would look up like you wouldn't type in like if you're looking up like gaping videos which i hate to talk about at all but if you're looking up gaping videos you wouldn't say gaping ass comma and because i had heard him talking to a woman like a sec like a few minutes earlier i was like is he talking to a cam girl is he talking to like a girlfriend is he i didn't want to know like, i don't want to know but because i heard it like i was just like what the fuck is going on and we never brought it up again. I don't judge the guy, but it did make me realize like I don't whether whether he was like uploading porn or whether he was like talking to a cam girl or a girlfriend or whether he was even if he was searching for something and for some reason his search involved gaping ass comma something else. Nobody searches for things like that though. Uh, it, it just made me curious cuz cuz it's like wow, I guess are, is he into that stuff cuz a lot of people apparently are. There's a lot of men who are into like gaping orifice stuff, but that's just so foreign to me. And I, I mean, it's, it's kind of like guys who like uh, screw rubber pussies and things. Like that's got to be so weird. <laughs> it's got to be so weird to have like this little rubber, like this, this little rubber object that's shaped like that, and that's attractive. Because, like, regardless of how that feels, like, even if that feels like actual intercourse, actual intercourse, AI. Are you talking about AI? Actual intercourse? But even if, even if it, like, feels like something resembling actual intercourse, at, at what point do you not become self-aware and be like, I'm just getting off on, like, a little rubber orifice? And so, like, the whole, like, the, the obsession with orifices themselves, like, I understand the idea of being attracted to orifices because of, like, what that represents and, like, the person attached to it, the body attached to it. But, like, when people just zero in on that alone, like, gaping and all of that stuff, I'm just like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. Obviously, people are into it. Like, you can see from porn sites, like, people must be into this stuff. The fact that there's so much, like, stepsister porn. The fact that that's one of the most common things. Like, stepmother, stepsister. There's, there's a lot of, like, incestuous porn now. People must like that. But it shows you the power of context. Because, like, I know that, like, when I look at porn, which I, which I avoid these days, but it's there. Sometimes you do it. But when I look at porn these days... Like, that's enough to keep me away from a video. Like, I can see a woman who, who is exactly what I'm attracted to, to a T. Like, she could be, like, the ideal woman that I'm attracted to. And I know intellectually that she's not that guy's sister 
or mom or whatever it is. But just the fact that it's framed that way is enough to repulse me. Like, the context is so powerful. Like, the power of context is so significant that I can't watch one of those videos and enjoy it simply because the title says, like, stepbrother and stepmom and, and stepsister. That's enough. That's enough to keep me away. Like, the magic is so strong. Like, the magic of a title the magic of a word, of language, is so strong that even though I know this is not this guy's mom and there's no relation between them and that I would otherwise be attracted to it if it didn't have that title, that title is enough to completely repel me. And I've tried. Like, I, I've tried to look at those videos or I've, I've clicked on one by accident. Like, I just see the image and I click on it. And then when I see that it says that, I'm like, I can't get into this. So, I mean, obviously people are into different things, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> hearing that voice on the conference call, like, and it was distinctly my friend's voice, like accidentally cutting in, gaping ass comma. It made me curious. It didn't make me like, I didn't want to be hearing it, but it made me want to ask, like, what were you doing? Because it didn't sound like you were doing like a voice to text, like search for porn. It sounded like you were like making categories. Like, this guy's not a pornographer. You know what I wonder, like when he was talking to this girl, like it almost made me wonder, I was like, is he talking to like a female friend and he's like telling her which keywords to use? That was the first thing that came to mind actually. He was definitely talking to a real woman and it was cutting through, but I was like, it, it almost sounds like he's instructing her how to like tag her videos or something. And he knows a lot about that stuff. But I'm like, does this guy have like some side gig where he is involved with like uploading pornography or helping a woman do that? I don't know. I don't want to know. <laughs> but it's like gaping ass comma. That comma, a comma can mean a lot. In this case, it does mean a lot. But anyway, I'm just talking about dirty, dirty nonsense. Just a bunch of dirty nonsense. And I'm going to go ahead and take off here. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free.